thank you for joining me, man. Yeah. It feels like thanks for coming in. We just met what a few weeks ago. It feels like we've known each other for a hot minute now. Yeah. A few weeks ago, very briefly. Yeah. Cause that's what, you know, when you were talking and, you know, sharing some things with the group and just basically saying, you know, how open you were and basically, you know, how you felt like it was okay for you to be yourself and, and open up to that. And you had said a sliver of something that kind of like cued me in on something, you know, that related to mental health. And I was like, okay, you know, there's something a little deeper there. So I, something, you know, inside of me just told, told me to ask. So, and that's what, you know, you had opened up kind of about your story and, and went down there and I was like, you know, I just thought it was eye timing because if I hadn't asked that question, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation yeah. today. Funny how that works out. Yeah. Um, I think last, it was last Wednesday. Yeah, it was a week or a week mm-hmm. or two ago. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I was ever publicly open about it, I guess, in like a crowd setting with strangers in the room. Um, but everybody who's kind of in my circle, I would say everybody around me, um, some might not know all the details probably cause they think it's weird to ask. Um, but I have no problem if people ask kind of share and going as deeper, you know, being a surface level as they want me to be. Cause I, I hope that I'm not the only one out there with these feelings mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that I am. So I figure the more that I talk kind of with other people and, uh, and, and learn about them, it makes me feel a little more sane. Yeah, and that's that's what made me feel called to ask because I felt something there, you know, in your words. And somebody may have perceived like, oh, he just doesn't care. He's just himself and just, you know, but I heard something a little bit deeper when you were speaking. And so for those, you know, that weren't there, you know, you had openly kind of shared, you know, with everybody listening, you know, how you wanted to take your life and how you attempted to take your life. Mm -hmm. And so that just made me know like, all right, man, like I've got to talk to this guy. Like there's a lot that we've gone through that's similar, um, completely different experiences, but total different or total, totally the same feeling. And so if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that and just what, when you, when you felt that way, like what drove you to that point of wanting to take your life? Like what, what was that moment that just was like, all right, this is it. What's funny is it really wasn't a bad moment. It was actually, you know, most people would perceive it as a very good moment. I was on like uh it was a business trip, but it was essentially a boy's vacation in new Orleans for seven days with, doing whatever we wanted, literally whatever we wanted, like partying hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, I think it was about the third night. Um, but, but the guys that I was with, they, they don't party, and they probably hadn't seen at least a few of them the, mm-hmm. the way I like to party. We had different definitions <laughs> of it. Um, then I thought everybody did cocaine that was in business, apparently not. Um, but uh I think finally after going like really hard for three nights and still feeling the same, like, I don't know if it was a void or I, or what it was. I just wasn't feeling anything. I I was so numb and I had been self-medicating daily, um, drugs and alcohol or cocaine and alcohol. The only two things I ever cared for, um, for God, 20 years, I guess now. Like, uh, have been the only two drugs. I'm a consistent Mm. person. I'm kind of OCD. 
even when it comes down to my drugs. Like, I'm the biggest alcoholic in the fucking world, but I won't drink certain liquors. Mm. Like, it's really weird. Like, I'll just figure out a way. So, uh, I'm, I'm strange like that. I never got down to the to the mouthwash or the rubbing alcohol, but... Maybe if I had no other options, I guess I was fortunate <laughs> enough to have other options. Uh, in hindsight, maybe that would have happened. But um, to to that point, I was I was partying hard every night um, by myself or just drinking heavily, um, doing cocaine every day. I guess to try and feel something, and I just didn't feel anything, and I got tired of feeling numb. So, mm. you know, I guess I was like, what What's the point of all of this? Like nothing, when I'm not numb, when I'm fucked up, like life is horrible. But when I'm fucked up, I'm not happy, I'm just numb. So kind of like, what's this all about? What What's the point of being here? What do you think drove you to that point? Was it, was it, you, you were so used to, to being at that certain state you know, by drinking and, you know, whatever, that you just got to a point where, like, there was no amount that could ever get you to where you wanted to be, you know, and how that felt. Yeah, I guess subconsciously at the time I didn't look like, or I didn't look at it like that at all. Um, Kind of through thinking through it and uh, talking through it um, with my therapist and shit who she knew me even before this went down. So she's known me through like my ups and downs, which is, uh, I guess a good thing. Cause I feel if I ever tried getting a new therapist or if she moves, I'm going to have to follow her. Cause I don't want to have to re-explain the last three and a half years. That takes a year in itself right there. The mm-hmm. last, I guess, 36 years of my life. Um, but That's yeah, such th- a pain, right? I remember mm-hmm. going that, through that as a child and just, having to explain my life story from therapist to therapist yeah. until that fit was there. I'm like, whew. Yeah. It was exhausting just restarting. Like, okay, hey, stranger, you, let me you, tell you all and this. And you get lazy with it, yeah. too. And you like, you get lazy matter. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and for me, at least, it's hard to be um, honest. I don't think I – I still wouldn't say I'm 100%. I wouldn't say honest with her, but open with her, 99. But – uh that's a lot more. She mm-hmm. she reminded me a few weeks ago of what I said to her the first ever appointment I saw with her, and I walked in fucked up, mm. and uh, I pretty much told her that I was there, but I wouldn't listen to her, like no matter what she said, and yeah, she should have fired me as a client right there the first time, but uh, but you've been going there for a while, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I met her actually uh, one time when I was in a uh, thirty day program, but it was outpatient. I checked myself in. I don't know why I checked myself in because I would go from a noon to three every day. Mm-hmm. I would do blow in the parking lot right before I went in and go and drink after because I didn't want to smell like booze, so I did blow first. And there was a gas station there, and I would go and get two tall boys, or I would have uh, my flask in the center console. So I guess I just went to tell people that I was trying. Um, but I met her met her during that time, and I thought I was tricking her, I guess, by – Telling her that I really wanted to change, and she knew I didn't. Like, so. Um, but back to uh, where do you, where do you think it started? You know, because now you're what thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah. So, you know, I always like to, and that's why, like, that's what drew me to you, man. You know, the first time we hung out, like we we talked for hours. Yeah. 
but still even in that amount of time, you know, there's so much to be told, you know, and it's like, it's a lifetime worth of experiences and how and why things got to be the way they were. So, you know, I was always curious too, and we didn't get to talk about it too, too much, but I'd like to talk about it now if that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, looking back at your childhood, you know, I know that things were like you're sharing with me. It was, it was difficult. You're always being put in different schools and just different environments and just wasn't like, this isn't for me. So, can you kind of walk me through that and like how you were feeling at the time when you were growing up and like, at what point did you kind of realize like, Hey, like, you know, I'm looking at things a little differently. Like this isn't for me. Like, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, my, my childhood, like you mentioned going to different schools, but I was going to, uh, it, my, my, my life wasn't rough by any means. It's, yeah, it, I, it, 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 I was in a mid probably, no, an upper class family and got switched around to different private schools because I was homeschooled. I went to uh, Charlotte Christian kindergarten, homeschooled from first to sixth grade, then bounced around to, I guess, five or six different private schools in seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Um, but I, I knew how to get what I wanted at a very young age for as long as I can remember. Like, I don't have one memory of me not being able to get what I wanted. Um, so, so life wasn't tough in like that aspect. I think it got more tough when, um, I was told what to do. I didn't like going to school. Like I mentioned, I was homeschooled first to sixth grade, so I could kind of set my own schedule, do all my schoolwork in one day and then have six off or six off one on, um, not five days on. And I just, again, I wasn't interested in what they were teaching me and, I guess I wasn't the best student. That's why my mom stopped homeschooling me and sent me to private school, and that's why I bounced around from pri- from school to school because uh, the schools wouldn't really – they didn't like my feedback, I, I <laughs> guess is the kindest way to put it, on, uh, on the topics. But I did find an old yearbook. Um, I think my parents found it in their storage unit like a year ago, and I had forgotten it. It was from seventh grade, and, and I got to find it again. It's in like an attic somewhere, um, but in my possession – uh, and it's from my uh, computer teacher, and it says something like, "You're the brightest student I've ever had, and also the most difficult to deal with." Mm. Like he was glad I. It was kind of like he was glad I was gone, but somehow he became friends with my dad. I need to. I need to find out about that guy, how he's doing. Um, but yeah, that I think again that was just my issue. I was a spoiled brat, an asshole. I didn't like authority, whatever you want to call it. Kind of all of those things. Mm. And I guess still some of you, that resonates. Do you think it was, day. do you think it was, you know, cause a, a lot of times we tend to put that on us, right? Like, but do you think it was, you know, the environment instead? Because like, I'm a big advocate for like how our public school systems need to change. My dad was a public school teacher for 30 some years. And so I heard it all and he retired and, and still is like, you know, paycheck to paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's one of those things that, you know, I think it almost sets us up for failure. Um, you know, and not to say like, Hey, you, you made the perfect decisions. Right. But, you know, I think a lot of times, like assuming that everyone learns the same way and everybody needs to go through the same system and everybody needs to do things the same way and everybody needs to listen to this to, you know, it's just, it's that, it's that thing, man, that, you know, Hey, we need to evolve and we need to change. And, you know, there's so many, you know, like he said, you were one of his best students, but yet you cause the most trouble. So there's got to be some type of thing there. And you see with all a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people that are successful, they don't typically go that same route. Um, 
and are more free thinkers. So that's a, that was a big thing for me too, as I was always so hard on myself, especially when I was younger. I was like, man, like, you know, I always thought it was me causing problems and stuff. But then I, now I look back and I was like, you know what? Like, you know, those, those situations weren't the best <laughs> to, to, to always thrive in anyway, you yeah. know, especially with certain demographics and things like that. I mean, they, they want you to fail to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole another rabbit hole within itself. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that, so like you're saying, you were going through some things and talk to us a little about, you know, when, when things, you know, just, you kind of were fed up with it. I know you had had, um, some self-taught skills. So talk to us a little bit about that. And when you kind of like transition there. Um, yeah, so I got into drugs and alcohol at a pretty young age. Like I remember chugging NyQuil at like six or seven years old, just for like fun. Oh. And um, I'm about a self-taught skill. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might go through your childhood. No, 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 <laughs> hey, I think yeah. that's a skill in, in some regards. <laughs> but no, talk about that. Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry, I misunderstood. So, um, yeah, I did that, and then uh, I, I got in. I was getting into the self-taught skill. I, I continued just to do dumb shit, and um, the the self-taught skill I would say kind of came when uh. AOL 1.0, I guess it was, came out. They, you're too young for this, but they used to send you these. Uh, I had AOL. Yeah, but you didn't have the discs come to your mailbox like every day where you would definitely stick didn't. it in and install it and get no, 10 free didn't. hours. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Anybody like 32, 33 or up will know yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about. But they literally just spammed you. But instead of your inbox and your email, like your actual physical house, and you would have discs, like floppy discs, every day in different magazines, different mailers, mm-hmm. and it would say 10 free hours because back then the internet was charged by the minute or the hour or whatever. Mm. Um, and uh, so I convinced my parents to to give me like a, um, do the 10 hour free trial because you know, you still had to put in your credit card and all that fun stuff. And I, I was hooked on that um, pretty quickly and just like intrigued mm-hmm. on how everything works. Um, so wanted to pursue that. There was no YouTube or, or Linda's or online lear- learning academies like there are now. I mean, I, I, at that time, I think NFL.com was like the first professional sports organization to have a website. Some of them didn't even have it, like the NHL or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like you just didn't need websites and nobody saw the value. Um so I went to Barnes and Noble and they're like computer section. Well, people can't see my hands. Maybe they can, but you know, like two feet wide of books, like absolutely nothing, 20 books to, to, to choose from. So I grabbed a couple and just started teaching myself that. Um, I was also starting to dabble with, uh, drugs. I did cocaine before I ever smoked weed. Um, really? Yeah. Was that what about the, the whole I, I, that was thing in, too? That was, was intentional. That? I, I started drinking that went to alcohol. So I'm learning this shit and I take it very fucking seriously mm-hmm. learning this stuff. But the school doesn't take it seriously. Like that computer teacher I mentioned, they were teaching like it was how many words per minute can you type like every yeah. day? And, I, and that's why I was difficult. I was like, are you fucking serious? Like, can we learn this? Can we learn this? And he's like. I don't even know how to do this, you know? So it, it, it was, mm. I don't know what computer classes are like now. I, I hope is that what drew better. you to those outlets? Like, 
I think I was bored. Yeah, I was frustration. Like- I was frustrated, bored. I, I, I think looking back, uh, probably a big reason of it. Um, so, um, but why that? What What do you think drew you to that? Like you said, you didn't have any type of situation where you know anything going on with your family. Nothing like you know typical like trauma people would talk about, right? Unless you know. So, what do you think? Like, I don't really know the answer. That's what's frustrating, mm-hmm. kind of about the the one missing. I've been trying to search for, and, and like genuinely try to search for this aha fucking moment, the one missing mm-hmm. puzzle piece, and it frustrates the hell out of me. But I can't find it. Mm. So I don't know if it's like blacked out stuff. I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, professionals that I've spoken with aren't sure but they're leaning towards like they've tried digging the therapist that i've known for years that i mentioned she really hasn't been able to get anything out and it's not like i'm trying to hide anything right. like i'm genuinely like i don't think anything happened um so um but again that's frustrating i wish i like i said i could just be like yep that's it that that's when yeah. the fucking light bulb went off or or that's where i was destined for this path um but I also think it could have been, like you said, I was just bored and I was always just kind of bit, a bit rebellious. I was also always able to get whatever I wanted and I was used to school being run a certain way for, you know, I guess a lot of the development years and, and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. when you're seven to 12 years old or whatever and you're told you can do all the school you want in one day in a couple hours and then you're told your whole schedule slipped up and I kind of felt from there, I think I, I did kind of have a moment or a realization there. Um, and it didn't steer me towards any path. I don't think, but it was the fun times over. Uh, it's now like full-time school or full-time work from here on out. And I think I realized that at a pretty young age, like, um, whatever, seventh, eighth yeah. grade when, when I started going there and, uh, there was other stuff I was interested in and like I specifically asked for, and there was f- a few fun projects. Like I um, begged to do something with the stock market. I always like, like numbers and stuff. And mm. one teacher was cool and let us do something and like add fun with that for a week. But then it was just back to, you know, to, to, to math or whatever else. Like, and again, I don't algebra one. The second I saw that, I remember telling my teacher, Algebra 2, whatever it was, I remember telling my teacher the first day when he started writing the first problem is, when will I ever use this? And why do I have to learn this for the next, you know, five years? I'm never going to get a job that requires me to do this shit. That's how much I hate it. Mm. And I think I was bitter about that. I did the same thing in history class. I think I probably did that in every class. Just like we would be reading out of a book daily and i would just raise my hand genuinely not trying to be an asshole maybe a little bit trying to get a reaction out of people but there was a part of me that was genuinely curious like for real why the fuck are we wasting months on end learning this i'm never gonna need to know this that i like learning the stuff now like the history that i didn't pay any attention to i learned that on my own free time now and guess what it's interesting to it's interesting to me now but i'm not forced to do it yeah learning should be fun it should be like i i don't know any job interview unless again you know that you want to go down this specific path then yes by all means you should take these classes so to, to the school point i think the school systems are fucked 
I've told my kids, my ex-wife hates me uh, saying this, but I've told them since a young age, if you have a clear defined path, like I'll support you dropping out of school and support you learning about that. Hmm. I, I don't think again, yeah. you, you should be learning all this shit. Especially if you can capture that early on. Cause yeah. I think when, you know, kids, man, so much creativity and just pure passion and interest. And if you can capture that and harvest that, like, uh, I, I I hated the question. I got it. I got it asked to me once um, at a young age, just like everybody else does. And it's, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And I remember just saying something and I took that to heart. Like that stuck with me for a little bit. And I was like, I don't know what I want to be, but I know what I don't want to be. Mm. And then when like going to school and stuff, I was like, yeah, if it requires this, I don't want to be that. And I think that's kind of why I got into yeah. computers too. Reverse I was like, engineering. I like numbers. Yeah, that's what I did. I reverse engineered it. Like I don't want to pick a career path, but I want to eliminate shit that I just hate and am miserable about. And yeah. that didn't really fit. So I didn't do that early on. That's why I'm doing that now. And so that's yeah. why it's rare for somebody, you know, especially now, like somebody that young at the time. And then knowing too that you had to do something that also made you money, you know, because that's the whole thing too. A lot of times at that age, you're like, I don't want to, do, you know, I don't want to work in general. So, but it, it's, it was crazy how you were able to well, connect your to. interest. At least you were interested <laughs> yeah, in what you I were mean, doing. I was, yeah, yeah. I, I was interested in it. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was a lot of learning, mm -hmm. um, a lot of failed ventures, a lot of failed businesses, but I feel like I learned that there's nothing that could replace that. You know, I could spend the next 10 years at the best school in the world and it wouldn't replace that one year of hell that I went through at this time. And then another year of hell that I went through. I mean, it's been a pretty shitty last 12 months just with stuff going on, you know, but everybody has shitty times, but, um, from, from the business side, um, or from the personal, like nobody can prepare you on how to feel like that. They can tell you, but you never know how that emotion feels or how you're going to react no matter all the training that you get in your life mm -hmm. until you're stuck in that situation. So do you, do you think that, you know, growing up, you, it was hard for you to share maybe what you were feeling and thinking too? Oh, 100%. To, to that point, and that's why you kind of went to the outlet because yeah, it yeah. was so hard to. I, I didn't, and I still feel that way today. I, I, I told you this when we were talking one-on-one. -on -one. Um, yeah, I still kind of feel it, not nearly as much, but I always felt like nobody would be, be able to relate to me, so why even talk about it? Like, mm -hmm. they're just not going to understand. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that a lot growing up because, you know, I'd always do well in school, always played sports, um, definitely didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily like you did, but I was just so stuck in my head. I was my own worst enemy, like telling myself this narrative, and then I definitely didn't want to express that to anybody else because I was like, how the hell would I even, like, put this to words? You know, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. You know, and so that's the whole interesting thing, too, you know, with with about sharing things and mental health and especially as men right like you know for us to have sat down really have only had taught for what 20 minutes and then you know sit down for the first time ever and being able to open up with one another um you know that that is what i think really helps heal you know and i think that's maybe like we were talking about like you know how why people resort to certain things to we're always looking for a feeling outside of us through something right it could be food it could be alcohol it could be cocaine it could be anything even things that are beneficial yeah, for us exercise you know, whatever. exercise yeah it's always you know yoga med meditation these are all tools yeah. and depends on <laughs> what which which one you pick and choose right so um you know obviously you had some some things that you were going through like when 
when did it really start getting worse? You know, I know you had those things when you started getting ex- exposed to, you know, going out and doing different things. But then, you know, that happened with you personally a couple of years ago. But what about the in-between? So, like, when – what did those peaks and valleys look like? And when did you know things were kind of going down a darker route? Um. I, well, I had kids at a young age. I uh, – I, got um my ex-wife pregnant when i was 18 then got her pregnant again when uh when was that? Well, i was 20 so yeah i had kids at i just turned uh 19 when i had my daughter and then uh 20 when i had my son mm-hmm. so um that was tough man because i remember i showed up to the uh i had to get a ride from one of my friends because i was so fucked up when i got the call that she was in labor so like i was all fucked up out of my mind meeting her mom for the first time like we weren't dating or anything this was like a quick fling that we had and then i get called she's pregnant i ignore them um she had met my mom before and had my mom's contact information so i get then my mom started pressuring me like jeff you need to go to these appointments you know um so uh so i started going like at eight months um when she was eight months pregnant Again, I was an 18, 19 year old kid. Like mm-hmm. I was scared as shit. Um, so, so had them young, but I, I was still partying hard. Um, I disappeared for for two nights and stole my uh, my ex wife's car the night that my daughter was born to to go on a coke run and get a a decent quantity um, that I had to drive a little distance for and mm-hmm. got tied up partying there. So. I was a I was a fucking wreck, and that didn't really slow down. I think I just masked it better, so I stopped going out and started isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, probably right around when my son was two. A, it was harder to go out with two kids. B, you look a hell of a lot worse. A twenty-year-old with two kids going out and partying—it looks a lot different than than another twenty-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can't be. I, I couldn't even. Uh, that's when I felt really unrelatable. I didn't know any other 20-year-olds who were fucking drug addicts who had two kids that felt like they were forced into a situation. And um, obviously, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. But at that time, looking at it like you're in a, you're in a fucking prison. This is not what I had painted out to have, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that was not in my plan in life. There was a lot of things I didn't have planned or... Um, you know, but one of those things, like I said, in the schools, things I don't want to be, it was a one kid at 20 and B definitely having two kids, you know, at, yeah. at such a young age. And, and again, if they hear this, like I've, I'm very open with them. I've told them, this is how I felt at the time. I'm going to tell them how yeah. I felt. Like, it's not that I don't love them, but I try to explain to them this is, you know, I had me fucked up on drugs and alcohol and and just being young and dumb. So I also use it as a teaching tool for them. Like, yeah. let them know this wasn't easy. Um, it might look like sometimes, you know, looking at it now that it was, it definitely was not. Yeah. Um, Do you think that's why, like, because you didn't necessarily have control over that situation? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like you were telling me with your wife and you just, you know, you guys hadn't known each other that long or... Um, is that what made you probably go the opposite way? Cause it felt like one of those things you couldn't necessarily have, you know, that control word over, right? Yeah. 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 No, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. 
Um, I, I definitely like being able to you know, control situations and um, feel like I at least feel like I have some say in them. Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, uh, yeah, I don't feel I, I don't like feeling like a prisoner. And at that point, uh, the way I looked at it, when my daughter was born that day, I had an 18 year prison sentence. And again, I know this sounds horrible, but I'm just being, you know, very fucking honest at how I felt at that time, not my feelings at all now. Um, But the day my daughter was born, an 18-year prison sentence, that's going to cost me a lot of money. And then the day my son was born, shit, my my prison sentence just got, I just got 18 months added to that sentence, so it's back at 18 years. Um, So... Yeah, it was hard because, like I said, I ha- I guess I had to try and put on one face, not nearly as much as most people still, because uh, I act the same way in front of my parents. They're they're you know Christian household and all that, and mm-hmm. um, I was with them at my son's lacrosse game last night, and I used to be all scared to you know swear in front of them. I don't try to, but I don't try and like limit it. I just want to be real with them and they actually do appreciate that. They tell me that I don't act different around them than, than I would other people. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it, it made me grow up quick. Like I said, I guess yeah. in, in some ways, but yeah, I can, uh, I can't imagine, man. Cause you're, you know, we're still basically children ourselves at that age, you know, we're just, and you were running, companies and doing a bunch of different things at that time too right like there was a, th- a lot they, of things they went to the shitter in. during those times yeah yeah everything went to shit um kind of over that two three year stretch i remember i had two cars i sold one of them for for cocaine i needed blow i wasn't working at the time and i was just being lazy just sitting around mm. and then uh sold that then i realized i was getting low on blow when i wanted to get a good deal on on like a good size quantity for me, I wouldn't resell it or anything. This was just for me, and uh, there was uh, I needed it, so I sold my other car what? for like dirt cheap, like pennies on the dollar to get it gone in the twenty four hours. Like I was a straight definition of a crackhead, I guess. Yeah, but it just didn't look like it on paper because I was fortunate enough to always recover mm. and, and and figure out a way out of it. And, and it wasn't always me. Like I would get help from other people sometimes, but I knew that I had people that had my back no matter what situation I got in. I've always been around people that would get me out and get me out quickly of any shit that I've ever yeah. been in. Good and bad, right? Like yeah, you said, yeah, told, yeah. not being told no. You yeah, know? no, it's, there's, it, it sounds great, but, uh, I, I think it can, uh, fuck you up in some ways too. Yeah. Double-edged sword. Definitely. Um, you know, when was that light bulb moment then, you know, cause especially like you say, you kind of can't see the forest because of the tree. You're so lost in the, in the abyss and the mindlessness and the numbness, you know, you're just kind of like escaping the situations through whatever outlets possible. And then you, you know, you're, you're selling shit and you're, you know, like when was that moment? You're like, man, like, you know, no matter how successful I am, but when does something have to change almost internally? Not even, not just for you, but you know, for your kids, for your family, for, you know, anybody that you care and love about, when was that kind of, you know, click, especially for yourself? Eight months ago. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just got sober. So I had one sober stint, um, right after all all that was going down, I sold the, sold those cars. 
that was my first time detoxing hard off of um mostly off alcohol too i was drinking i drank all day long then i did i would do coke to to kind of level it out and it grew into a to a big problem very quickly um so i got i got sober then and that lasted i got sober from coke so i just did um i just drank a shit ton then but i think i got sober from uh that for from cocaine for about two years then started back up thought i would be fine and just do like a you know pick up a gram and make that last me a week and nobody would find out and yeah, it was it was obvious pretty quickly, especially with weight loss. Like I'm pretty skinny dude now. There was one point I'm about one seventy five now. Oh, wow. Six six two six three. I was at one point in the one thirties. Yeah. Um. So I just made sure to do all my work. Luckily, since I did work online and could could oh, just yeah. hide behind a desk, all hide at my own house that day. Didn't have an office to Which go makes to, it so even it worse, right? Especially with yeah, yeah. depression and anxiety. Yeah, one hundred percent. I could sit in a dark yeah. hole for for weeks, months if I wanted to. Like it took me hours. And what's sad is this seems like the normal. And I didn't say seemed. I said seems because um, there's still a lot of days like it where it takes all the fucking energy in the world to come to the office. Like this, mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Like today, it, I. I debated internally for an hour to cancel all my meetings and just say, fuck it. And there are days like that. I did that on Thursday or Friday last week. Yeah. I do that probably still at least yeah, once a week. Talking, I just wake up yeah. and I'm like, I'm canceling my day. Like, nah, I'm just not doing it. The, 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 the days are getting less frequent, which is good. And I, and I realize I think the difference is now, like, uh, I know why I'm feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like i have the tools they're still not the healthiest but uh, i'm i'm not in a horrible situation i should say i'm not in the best but i could be in a hell of a lot worse like uh, i don't see that i'll ever get to the point that i was at and uh your energy is different even a couple weeks when i met you yeah you know and that may sound crazy but you gotta think about it man each and every day like there's a smallest percent of a change Mm -hmm. if you consciously really make that ever and that's no different than anything right it's consistency and momentum you know, no yeah. different than going to the gym. If you go out to the gym and lift X amount of weight for X amount of days, same thing with your mind. You know, if you yeah. stick with it. And so you've been at the sobriety for eight months, and then now, you know, each day is going to get that much better. Well, well I also have um, anxiety for, for tomorrow. I'm doing for the first time, and I'm actually really fucking pumped. I don't, don't think I've done this once. Like not no exaggeration since I was fifteen, sixteen. I set all my email reminders this morning. I'm flying out to uh to Canada tomorrow morning and uh for a week or something. And I'm turning off uh all my emails, which I've done before, big deal, but I still usually check them. But I have my phone where it just sends an auto response text and I can only get texts from my kids. All other notifications, only text and calls from them. I'll see no other notifications on my phone for that whole week. That's so awesome. uh, I'm curious to see how my ADD kind of ADHD mind that's always running yeah. in 500 different directions takes that. But I'm you can block off the sell. social media too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say yes. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try not to look. I'm if there's pictures or something, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, I might throw them up on the gram for, or at least send them to my kids. Yeah. That's the thing, man. It's like, yeah, if I, if I, if I could, man, I could definitely go without a phone. Like as long as I can get up with the people that I love and care about. Yeah. I'm out in the woods and the mountains. Like, you know, as long as I had certain things, I would be totally fine with that, man. Like, yeah, See, I'm a, that's the goal. I'm different. I'm different. Uh, my girlfriend, she she always reminds me our first date. She saw me and I guess I look like an outdoorsman. <laughs> and it's the beard. You like yeah. you want to chop some wood? She, she's like, do you go camping? I'm like, fuck no. I said I spell camping R I T Z. She was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, you I asked you the other day, did you that. like nature? And you're like, no. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm honest. I'm blunt. Yeah, I was like, man. I, I'm like, trying to learn. I'm trying to learn how, but. I've always just, I've never you know, really tried that stuff. Like, I know that sounds so stupid, but, like, I've never really tried. I've gone, like, on yeah. little hikes, gone to the North Carolina mountains on day trips. I went camping for my first time ever this summer for one night. How was it? Not as bad as I thought. Yeah. It's not. Talking about a disconnect, you know, you just get but, away from everything. But I wasn't sober then yet either, so yeah. I, I need to try it. I need to try it sober. But, yeah, we, I, I'm definitely will. willing to do it again. We will. Hell, yeah especially with these retreats and stuff we're going to try to do, man. Like, you know, I think coming together as men, right. Um, that's still kind of one of those taboo things to talk about. No different than mental health is because nobody wants to say it, you know, cause men have been so manly for so long and we've made our mistakes. So now when we're trying to really take a step back and heal, you know, people are like, well, you know, you've had everything you're, you know, it's kind of that reverse mindset, mm -hmm. right. But now everybody's kind of breaking off in subgroups no, I was just going to say to that point, um, that's why I kind of hate and that's why I'm doing it now, but I still kind of hate even talking about sometimes going home and getting real with people like mm -hmm. this stuff, even this stuff is still pretty weird to talk about, obviously, but even deeper, like when I go home and complain about the day I had or say I'm feeling depressed, that's my one problem. I still hold that in sometimes because mm -hmm. I say it in my mind and I'm like, fuck, if anybody else heard the reason why I'm upset, like I just sound like in the most first world problems you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. But they're still stressful. So yeah, it's subjective, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, so that's, that's the thing is that, you know, now the biggest thing is you're aware of it. So now it's just training and every day trying to flip it and just trying to, you know, cause we tell ourselves this narrative, you know, and I say that openly about myself. Cause like I've been my own worst enemy my whole entire mm -hmm. life. You know, when I was going through certain I think things, we all have. you know, and I always use the licking the floor reference because like it just puts into perspective. Like I would literally have to sit there and lick the floor three times. And my mind would tell me like, if you don't do it, like it wouldn't stop, you know? So that's why it's like, it's, it's one of those things that like you look back at it and I really could not like control it at that time as I got older and learned and, and became more aware and then could control my focus more stuff. And you, you know, start becoming aware you can start breaking those habits. So what I'm getting at is that's what the kind of the, the beauty in is just that, that daily repetition is like, cause we start telling ourselves this narrative, you know, I would tell myself like you had to do this and like eventually like, I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to. And like start silencing that, that urge or that voice. Right. And so that's what I'm hearing now is that, you know, day after day, you may want to like do a certain thing or think a certain way, or, you know, you get focused on it, but you know, we can only physiologically think about one thing. Mm -hmm. So what you focus on is what you think about. What you think about is what you do. What you do is what you become, what you become, you know, we can keep going and going and going. 
But the thing in, in the secret elixir, I think, is, is just that focus. If we can just shift that focus, it's the hardest fucking thing to do. But once you get a sliver of it and you already have, like, you know, you can really start to tell yourself, like, you know what? Like, I'm I'm not depressed. I'm not going to let myself go this way. I'm going to start, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I uh, definitely, um, you're spot on with that. And I've been and it takes trying time. to do that. It takes time for it, sure. No, it does. Like, uh, it does. But the, the, I think the frustrating part is with me personally um, is knowing even it, it's gotten better um, the last few weeks, but I'm sure there will be down weeks too. And I don't mind saying this, like I have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, I don't like putting huge labels on stuff, but I am emotional. Like I'll just wake up and having bad fucking days for some day. But the, I guess the most frustrating part about it is, is I know fundamentally, and I've been taught everything to, to do and, you know, all the steps to take to make that day better. And then it's just this, this vicious cycle where I don't do them. Then I beat myself up for not doing them like so damn stupid. You know, mm -hmm. you knew what to do to solve yep. this. And then one day turns into two days, two turns into three. And yeah, it's, you, you know, you it's expectations. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, cause it's like lying, right? If we lie to ourselves and it's so easy to lie to everybody else around us. And that's the, that's the, the trick, right? Is like, we set ourselves up we're like, oh, we're going to do this. And then, but we set ourselves, we're such a high expectation, right? And then we we don't do it. And then we feel like shit the next day. And we're like, oh, you know, I'm going to try again. And that repeats itself. So I've almost found too, like doing like the smallest little thing, you know, as cliche as that sounds like, say somebody's trying to go to the gym, instead of focusing on getting to the gym, you say, I'm at least getting the fucking car. Yeah. Hey, you're, you know, there's a step there. That is the first step. Go in your car, crank that car and start driving. Like, don't worry about to getting to the gym. And that's what me being an obsessive person, I would always think about like the very end. Like, how do I get from A to Z? Yeah. <laughs> you know, fuck all these other steps. Um, oh, no, I'm the exact same way. But it creates so much that's anxiety and depression. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you're like, 100%. you think about the future and you get anxious. You think about the past, you get depressed. You know, it's, it's just one of those things, man. It's like, you know, again, you know, a lot of people may say this is foo-foo, but it's as present and in the moment as you can be because this is the moment we already had. You know, it's already gone. You know, now the yeah. future is now the past. It flies by that fast. So as any of the monks and gurus and people say that really, like, look at these things in consciousness, it's just being, like, present and we make those micro choices, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think, uh, that's what I was saying. Like, I, I know that, and I agree with you completely about living in the present. Um, we probably have the, the, the picture painted a little different in our heads of how that looks, Big but I, I think it's, it's the same thing, no matter what, like don't stress over the past and, and don't play all these what ifs games, which, um, cause you just live in that and then you become the, your thoughts and that's what's scary, you know? And, I think that's where you and I are alike is like we've lived those thoughts over and over I, and over. I live them all the time. Still, it's a hard habit to break. You get in that feedback loop and it's just mm -hmm. over and over and over and over and over and over. And then you try to like prove it wrong or you like try to, you know, it's, it's all this thing. And then, like you said earlier too, with the whole manipulation and things too, that comes down to trying to control everything, every conversation, reaction, environment, you know, all that. Like, I, dude, I get it. Like, yeah. try, you know. Trying to play God. Ups, yeah. And really, you know, do we want, do you want that responsibility? I know I don't, you know, it's like, it's, it's enough trying to balance ourselves, let alone trying to balance other people. 
Yeah. And I think that's really how we do heal and get better is that we focus on ourselves. Some people are like, oh, that's selfish. No, it's not. Like the better you can be, the better you can help others become. It's self-love. Yeah. The more you love yourself, the more you can love others. That's the ba- most basic example. The day I started actually caring and having a sliver of confidence, a little self-love, everything started shifting around me. And I started looking, I was like, I'm glad I went through the experiences I've gone through because now I can see these things and like believe it. Like this is just like modern day magic. You're looking around like reality is a lot stranger than fiction, my friend. Mm-hmm. And you're watching like, okay, all right. You get yeah. that momentum, you see this and then you keep doing it and you're like, okay, like, you know, getting that rhythm, you know? So that, it's just that consistency and that momentum is just where, when you can get, get a glimpse of that light out of the hole, you know? And that's where I think you're at, man. You know, I think you've had some, crazy experiences and some pretty dark paths and some addictions. And but I think now you're aware of it and you're, you're making the conscious effort, at least for the short time I've known you to, to, to do the right thing, man. Yeah. No, I always want to do the right thing. Even when I'm at, at the, the worst uh, or the peak of my addiction or, or the peak of my depression, whatever the peak of just a, a dark moment, a dark time. Uh, I always try and be, that's one thing is, is a good person. Like, nobody else should suffer or worry about my bullshit. Like mm-hmm. I still want to do everybody right. I yeah. think that's just kind of ingrained deep down. Yeah. I've seen that from you just from the short time I've known you. Well, man. I didn't even mean from me either. Like just from anybody, yeah. like you're, you're going to be a good person, even when there's shitty circumstances going on, just like an asshole is going to be an asshole when everything's. And it's the easiest great. thing to do. It's just a conscious choice, you yeah. know, and it goes back to that pause being in that moment. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be a dick? Or am I just going to like meet this anger or fear with just understanding and empathy? And, you know, I don't, and people say it's cliche and hit me, but it's just love, man. Like, look, you don't got to care and like everybody. I know I don't, but if you just ignore half of what comes in, you know, it almost creates this blockade, this energy like field where you're like, you know, I'm not going to be around this an enabler, you know, a friend that's always like would say, you know, putting yourself in certain situations where, you know, you're setting up yourself for success. Unlike school or other environments, like, you're in a position where you can choose who you're around and what you do and where you're at. So being around that, you know, it starts creating that, that habit too, because it's, it's an accountability. I know I've always benefited from like an accountability partner or like, cause I know my own weaknesses, you know, no, we're not perfect, but if you can play off your weaknesses, you know, so many people focus on their strengths and want to get better at their strengths. But if you can become aware of your weakness and get better at your weaknesses as well, then Oh yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. that's been the biggest flip for me, almost like the reverse engineering, mm-hmm. right? You're like, well, what am I bad at? And just start trying to like, at least get incrementally better, you know, at that. Yeah. Or, or have somebody assist you, like you said, with it through accountability or just asking for help. That was always my biggest thing is it's I hard. hate, we talked about this, like, yeah, asking for help. Especially as a man, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Don't show your emotions. Don't share how you feel. Don't, you know, get up, boy, buckle yourself by your bootstraps. Brush yourself off, you know. I heard that shit time and time again, especially, you know, oh, you, you know, you tell people about it a little bit and then they just smash you. I'm like, oh, he's got a mental health problem. He can't control. Like, no, man, like, you know, it's because when you get burned See? like that from sharing it, it See? makes you want to reserve it more. See, my parents were the opposite. I think that they knew that 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 um because i remember going to a lot of doctors when i was younger mm-hmm. but um and, and talking to a lot but i didn't really think of it then because they would just be like oh that's just what you do as a kid so i think that they knew that early on that maybe i had some label at least even if it was adhd like nothing serious yeah. but they know something 
but they never shared that with me and they never like prescribed me anything like they kind of blew it off and they probably prayed for it or whatever like mm-hmm. not knocking that that's their thing that's cool um but that's probably what they did but they would give mm-hmm. me meds for other stuff so it's not like they were anti-medication type people yeah. but i think they probably more so didn't believe in mental health issues yeah. Even though everybody in, uh, I don't give a fuck if mom and dad, you ever listen to this, like everybody in our family, uh, the five of us and outward is fucked up, like has some yeah. sort of something. At That's least what half happened them. with the like, generations before yeah, yeah, us. Like, like half them, yeah. but yeah, like they, I don't, they just didn't want to acknowledge it because it probably wasn't typical of me be going to therapists and talking about that yeah. stuff. If everything was gravy, like they wouldn't have just sent me. And then we put band-aids on everything, man, you know, because mm-hmm. we, that's another like, mind shift moment I had in life is that like, I'm not my diagnosis. I'm not leave. you know, and then my mom kept drilling that into my head anyway, when I was a kid, I just didn't never fully believe it all the time. But you know, I'm not leave with OCD. I'm not, you know, it's just me. That's my personality. Yeah. These are my strengths and weaknesses. How do I leverage and balance that and tweak that? You know, how do I like enhance that? How do I play with that consciousness? How do I, you know, use the double edged sword? Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't try and use, and I didn't even list, I'm diagnosed with other, a few other mental health things, and, um, but I don't even look at them, like, as a crutch or anything, like, I'm aware right. of them, and then as soon as I do it, I'm like, okay, it, it, it's, this is why you're feeling that way, like, I have all the tools, I've been taught, I've been into, uh, I've checked in voluntary, um, and involuntary, um to to mental health places before and um like i look i know the stuff so i have the tools there it's just kind of up to me if i use it or not um and and not use anything as a crutch like i said yeah yeah because that's the thing man is like we're all perfectly imperfect Mm -hmm. we all got something going on and like you say once you open up you can resonate with a lot of people yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's uh, so I'm colorblinder with some colors, and people are always like, what's it like to be colorblind? And I've had a few pa- people ask me, like, what's it like to be bipolar? And I'm like, and it's kind of like the whole colorblind thing or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. If, uh, if you're in a wheelchair and you have been since you were little, and somebody asks you, what's it like to be in a wheelchair? You don't know how to answer because you don't know any different. Like, right. I kind of feel it's not like it's just something that – like a cancer that I woke up and went to the doctor and they're like, all of a sudden your brain chemistry just yeah. changed, sir. That's you what know? I hate about the whole label thing. It may sound millennial of me, but like, that's the thing is like, you know, we we're so quick to label all these behaviors and put what it is to us. You know what I'm saying? And then we, you know, somebody thinks like, Oh, and then they have to put it in a bucket. Like, Oh, what is bipolar? What does that look like? You know? And there's so many assumptions. Well, the that. shitty thing is, and I, and I won't go on a, on too much of a rant here, but the shitty thing is, I think I might've shared this with you, the insurance mm, yep. ordeal. Yep, yep. Like, so they want to put labels on stuff. So shortly after the new, uh, when I tried killing myself in new Orleans, I, no, I'm sorry. This was a few months later after I was in another mental hospital in Florida after going to a drug mm-hmm. rehab thing. Anyways, the uh, the logistics aren't that important. But I got back from, from another dark time, and I got to a place called Hopeway here in Charlotte. Um, and I was going to do 30-day inpatient. Like, again, I wasn't forced. I talked to them, and I begged them. I was like, give me the longest, or what are your options? Or, like, inpatient, you know, you're staying the night here for 30 days your kids can come see you five days a week or whatever. I was like, perfect, sign me up. 
So I call up the insurance and, or they call me up. They tell me I'm moving in and it takes me a few days and I have like my shit packed, you know, I'm ready to go stay for a month and I'm just waiting by the phone and it's one day and I thought I was going to be in the same day, then two days and three days and four days and literally a week later. And like, I was in a pretty dark place at this time, like waiting by the phone, calling them every day, begging them. They're like, mm -hmm. well, it's your insurance company. And then they finally said, well, your insurance denied it. They said that you can do intensive outpatient, which is Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? So I call up the insurance company and they're like, well, you, the, after begging them for an answer, I'm like, look, I'm fucked up in the head. Like, I need this 30 days. I know what I need. And they're like, well, we don't think you need it. You, mm -hmm. you, and they, they pretty much, my suicide attempt is what she alluded to yeah. the, the time between my suicide attempt and talking to blue cross blue shield on the phone had been greater. So they just determined that I, my, that my, my head was better. So then they, then the same shit went down when it was a Monday to Friday, nine to five, it took another week and a half. And they finally said they've been fighting blue cross blue shield. I called them up to like, yeah, well, we've determined that you don't need 40 hours a week. Like that's, that's too much mental health care. So we'll give you three days a week at three hours a week for 30 days. And like, I talked to the head psychiatrist and she's like, I, you, I know you need it, but this happens all the time. Like wow. she went up to bat, talked to blue cross blue shield actually had a case like that. They recorded where it was, um, Hopeway's attorneys and blue cross blue shield. Like she went up to bat for me or their mediators, I should say not their attorneys, but I had like mediators mm -hmm. in it pretty quick. And it was like their own uh, internal hearing um, going to one of the highest people that they could at Blue Cross Blue Shield. And she's like, even after everything I said, they were like, no, we don't have to, is what they kind of told her. Like, if it's a broken arm, fine, we can justify fixing that because there's measurable results. You break the arm, mm -hmm. you put a cast on it, six weeks later, eight weeks later, whatever it is, you go back and the bone is now fixed. The problem is with mental health, they don't, they have no way to measure it. So they can't put a price tag on it. So they can't do the yeah. insurance rates kind of from the digging I did on my own. Cause I always like to know why shit happens the way it does. Um, and so I, I think there's a giant gap to be filled there. Like mental health by the insurance companies. I don't think it's taken as a joke, but it's a business mm -hmm. and they want to make as much revenue as possible. I get that. I'm an entrepreneur. Like I want to make money, but I don't want to make it at the expenses of people's. Yeah. Like I, I remember screaming the last point on this at the woman on the phone. I was literally in tears. I was like, so what the fuck do you want me to put a gun in my mouth right now? Like, what do I do to, to show you that I need this? And she was like, I don't know what to tell you, sir. <laughs> yeah. I, when, when I had first heard that you told me about that, man, like I was just blown. Like, and like you said, it, it didn't matter how much money you had or what connections you had or whatever. So like, imagine if you like, you know, didn't have those things or even closer, like it was still that hard. Yeah. I mean, the, it's and that's not, what's it, insane to me is like, these places aren't cheap. Hey, so I'll tell you the one other fucked up thing that I did not tell you. I mentioned that I'd just gotten back from Florida. I was in a drug treatment facility, like high-end one where they do like the yoga and the horses and all that. Like uh, I went to Florida for a reason. I picked it out of a catalog pretty much. It was like a vacation it was supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. So I get back, um, try going to Hopeway, go through all that shit that I just mentioned. The lady does tell me though, she's like, if you want to go back to drug rehab, you can. They would send me to anyone. I could have gone to Hawaii, like wherever, mm -hmm. and they would have paid. 
after that, because uh, I had hit my deductible, and they said, or from the research that I did, again, that's measurable. I go there, there's drugs in my system. And when I leave, they can prove that there hasn't been drugs in my mm -hmm. system for, yeah. call it 14 days. So, well, shit, look, we did our work. We deserve to be paid insurance company because Jeff has not done drugs in 14 days, and we can prove that. You can't go to your therapist and say, Jeff had a mental breakthrough. He's now cured and he's never right. going to, you know, lay in bed and, and whine and moan all fucking day. Yeah. That's a flaw of us as humans. We always got to feel like we got to measure everything. I definitely think it has its parts, but like when we talk about healing and stuff, man, it's just, it's just sometimes a feeling, man. And you know, you can, you can feel different and you can't measure that. Sometimes yeah. you can't even put that shit to words, you know, and a lot of times you can't. So what would you say, man, for, for everyone that's listening, especially, you know, men out there that may be going through similar things or different things or just something with their men own mental health, what would you leave people with advising them, you know, from where you're at and where you've been, what would be like that one piece of advice that you say from your own life that you could share with them that, that may would help? I, I would probably say if, if you're dealing with something, if you hadn't shared it with anybody, just go on a podcast and talk about it. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> no, definitely. That's uh, what we, we just like go from zero to 100. You know what? Tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, no. Find somebody to talk to. Um, f for me, it's always been kind of easier, I guess, because I feel like I won't be judged. It's talk to a stranger. Yeah. That's probably just me. Um, but there's people out there, it's 2020, you don't have an excuse for not having a resource. Like, there's people to talk to. If you don't want to talk to somebody on the phone, there's chat things out there. And, I, I mean, there's numbers. I don't know them offhand, but you can easily find them. Uh, you can text with people. Like, yeah. you don't have to talk to them. You can be vulnerable. These people do not know who you are. Just start with that. Start with something. Um, Take that step. Yeah, uh, I, and I just have some people that won't get through their mind. Um, one, I hope he's not listening, but and I hate to say that, but if he is, he he's my best friend. He's uh, in the office over there, and I've been telling him to go to therapy for five, six years over the same thing, and he won't. So I finally told him a year ago, like, I don't want to be a bad friend, but you can't call me about these problems. Like, I had to finally set mm -hmm. that boundary because it was bringing me down you can't call me about this is the exact same problem. Like not one circumstance has changed that we've talked about to nauseam. I'm not qualified to help you mm -hmm. here, here. Like go talk to this person, talk to somebody. He talked to one once and didn't have a breakthrough in one hour. He had never even met the person. So it was like, I'm never trying it again. And that's mm -hmm. still his mentality. So I, I, I don't want to see anybody be like that because the, this has been a repeating pattern and, Shit, mine was for, for decades, um, but but year after year, and I don't see any growth, and the pain's just getting worse and worse because all of those feelings build up, same with me, and that's all that's going to happen. So seriously, like, mm -hmm. text if you want to, but you can find somebody to talk to. There's that line in the sand, right? you got to yeah. want it for your for yourself at some point. Yeah. got to be that moment. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this with me, man. I really enjoyed Absolutely. talking with you today. Yeah, it's a lot. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, my God. I want to start. Oh, well, I got to go.